Thank you for joining us for the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. And remember, if you are ever in our area, please stop by. We'll make you feel right at home. Now, let's join Pastor George Logan for today's message. And uh, it is a powerful message, I think, that's going to minister to all of us. Uh, if you're a Christian, been here for some time, I've been a believer for some time, it's going to minister to you, I believe. And if you are one that has been kind of, you know, res resisting uh, the Word of God, uh, you really want to get the Word of God to them this morning as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to gather around your word and to learn more about you. And I ask that you would think through my mind and that you would speak through my lips words that will edify, exhort, comfort, and provoke change in the lives of each and every person here under the sound of my voice. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, <clears throat> so I'm going to talk to you today. We've talked about the power of joy, the power of hope. And today we're going to talk to you about the power of humility. And humility is a big thing. Maybe it may very well be one of the biggest relative to it opening up doors to other things in your lives. I don't know if any of you all are familiar with the, uh, the movie, The Rise of the Planet of the Apes. If you are familiar with The Rise of the Planet of the Apes, not the old version, but the newest one, um, there's a character in that, in that uh, uh, the main character, his name is Caesar. He's, a, he's an ape um, that ends up running um, the, the planet of the apes and all of the, the apes out there. And, um, and during the very beginning of the movie, he gets uh, uh, put in, uh, uh, captured and, and put in a, well, not really captured. He was, because of something he did, they put him in a, in something that would be equivalent to um, a, a dog pound. And, but it's a kind of like they were holding apes there. And uh, while he was there, there were tons of apes and he was the newest on the block. And um, uh, in order for him to, to gain a level of, of, of leadership and influence, he had, to, he had to take out the main guy that was, was, was his main um, adversary, who I guess was the leader at that time. So uh, Caesar uh, did that, and, um, and, he, and they showed him something. Caesar did this. Uh, uh, the, 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 in order to so, show submission and show that he had been defeated, um, the, the ape that had been defeated put his head down and he put his palm up. And that was a sign of submission. That was a sign of you're now my leader. I, I, I no longer resist you. I'm no longer in charge. You're now in charge. And what Caesar would do, he would stroke his hand to say, okay, now, I, I now, uh, uh, I am now your leader, so to speak, or I am now granting you permission, in other, in other words. Um, and so that kind of rung in my mind when we talk about uh, the power of humility. Um, if you think about humility, and uh, if I could get a, a, a tissue over there right quick. If you think about humility, thank you. I'm going to give you some definitions, and we're going to tell a few stories about humility. Now, we hear that term, and we hear people, uh, athletes, or parents tell their, their children, you know, stay humble. Uh, we'll tell people, other people, to stay humble. Stay, stay, stay hungry, stay humble. But what are we really telling them? 
uh, what, are, what is the message that we're trying to get over to them? So the power of humility, and I do believe it is a door, it's a door that allows God's grace to come into our life, his empowerment, his strength. And anything apart from humility really uh, creates a bottleneck for God's strength and power to enter into our lives. So I want to give you the definition of humility uh, first, uh, as we see it in the Old Testament. Humble, it really comes from an Arabic word called uh, to be con contracted, not as in contract, as a, a legal contract, but as in contracting, like something shrinking down, uh, which is shrink, to become small, to decrease, to diminish, to reduce, to dwindle, to decline, to shrivel, to wrinkle, to fold, as in wings, to fold. So all of those things are things that we don't like. We don't like to be contracted, brought smaller. We don't like to become small. We don't like to decrease. We don't like to diminish. We don't like to reduce. We don't like to dwindle. We don't like to decline. We don't like to shrivel. We sure enough don't like wrinkles. And we don't like to fold up. But that's what God says is attractive to him. Think about that just for a minute. The very nature of man is to puff up, to get stronger. Have you ever noticed that uh, when, when you are um, arguing with someone, if you ever take notice of your body language, what does your body language do? It stiffens up. It hardens. You know, if you're about to fight someone, you, you enlarge yourself, get bigger. No one wants to be shrunken. No one wants to reduce down. No one wants to feel like they're the small guy. But that is the pathway to God. As a matter of fact, no one really comes to God. No one really reaps from God unless he first shrinks down, unless he first reduces himself, unless he first diminishes, unless he first wrinkles up, as it were. So you can, you, you can now understand why it is difficult sometimes for people to come to God. Because God is saying to them, I, I, I don't want anything of you. I want, I want you to be reduced down to almost nothing. And then that's when you're most attractive to me. That's why the Bible tells of the rich person is more difficult for a rich person to go to. It is difficult for them to get into the kingdom of God as, as difficult as it is for the camel to go through the eye of a needle. Why is that? Because rich, rich, and, and I'm not just talking about financially uh, rich, I'm talking about rich in reputation, rich in pride, rich in, in family history, rich in affluence, rich in whatever. It's hard, it's difficult for that person to release that, to give that up so that they can have God. Paul understood that. His whole language of, about, uh, um, uh, I, I, I give up all things. I release all things so that I can press towards the mark of the high calling, which is in, in Jesus Christ, my Lord. I count them, he says, as dung, as waste, so that I can get God. And so when we think about the real power of humility, what it ushers us into, when we shrink down, so if we can take a look at this, I had a, another, and I forgot uh, the other paper, but if you would, could kind of take it like this, this is, this is a, a, tissue 
And uh, right now, it hasn't been wrinkled. It hasn't been, you know, it just came right out of the box. And God's like, you know, this, this represents, um, this represents haughtiness. Like it's fully out. Here's what God wants. He wants us to fold up. Not only that, but once we get to the folded state to actually shrink down to almost nothing. And that's how God likes us. This is so very attractive to God. This position right here, folded up, wrinkled, diminished, small, that's attractive to God. That's attractive to God. Most of the arguments we get into is because one person or both parties don't want to do this. Nobody wants to do this. No one wants to fold up. No one wants to be wrinkled. No one wants to become reduced down to their smallest thing. Everyone wants to maintain their ground. And God says he resists that. Think about that. He resists the proud. He resists the haughty. He resists those who don't want to do this. And we're going to see all this in Scripture in just a minute. So I want to see, show you some patterns of God uh, through the Scripture. Um, and, and you'll be amazed. I think you'll be amazed. So here's a couple of uh, reference, uh, references before we get into a couple of stories. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 4 says, True humility and fear of the Lord lead to riches, honor, and long life. Why, why would anyone not want riches, honor, and a long life? He says, true humility and fear of the Lord lead. They, 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 they start us on a journey of riches, honor, and a long life. Or we could say it eternal life, the God kind of life. But he, here's how we got to start. We have to start in this state. Otherwise, if we start in the fully on, a fully up state, then we have, to, we have to do that for ourselves. We have to seek riches, seek honor, seek long life by ourselves because we have no room for anyone else in our lives. And so he says that true, true humility from the Lord uh, and the fear of the Lord lead to open up a door, give us, send us in the direction of riches, honor, and a long life abundantly supplied because now we got someone who is over our lives someone who's in charge of our lives another scripture says in James chapter 4 it says and he gives grace generously as the scriptures say God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble whoa listen to that God opposes and listen to that we want God on our side God God literally opposes the proud God, God resists the proud. Like, no, you can't be on my team. You know that one guy that's uh, looking to be get picked up on a team, and he's flexing and jumping and dunking the basketball, and you know, everybody to see him. God, like, mm, you can't be on my team. <laughs> Sorry, you too puffed up. You, 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 you too, you too into yourself. I can't have you on my team. Think about that. He resists. He opposes the proud. He said, I don't want you on my team. And, and uh, there's a story told about Dean Smith when he uh, coached at the Air Force Academy. Uh, it said there was one player who thought he could do everything. Dean Smith. Dean Smith. 
not Coach K. I didn't say Coach K. I said, I said Dean Smith at the Air Force Academy. Army. See what happens. <laughs> so D. Smith was at the, uh, at the Air Force Academy. He had this one kid on his team uh, that, that wanted to do it all. So what he did is he took that one guy and he made him play against five players on the team. He took one guy who was proud, who wanted to do it all, and he put him against five players on that team. You know how well he did? He didn't do well at all. He didn't do well. And, and so that's what really what pride will do to you. Pride will make you want to have to win and fight and, and try to win the battles all on your own when it's an impossibility. There's no way you can do it. And so um, when we look at these scriptures and realize that God literally, he opposes the proud. He has no, he has no place for the proud. He says, so humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, in the, in the Greek, that word humble uh, comes with cast down, bow down, um, become low. All right? So it says humble, cast yourself down, bow down, become low uh, before God, and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Because what we want on our side is not ourselves. We want God on our side. But God will only come on our side if we're in this state right here. That's the only way, that's the only way God is going to come on our side is that if we uh, maintain this state right here. And think about it. I know many of you know stories already where you have been open and and big and and I can do this and can't nobody tell me nothing and, and you know where it landed you. You know what happened. You know what, what, what the end result was is we miss out on the grace of God. So many people have, I'm certain, stories. I have stories of when I thought I knew it or I, I built myself up and ended up flat on my back because I didn't do it God's way. Humbling means to become like this before God, bow down before God, say, God, you are my leader now. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say it. I'm fully under your control. Another word of looking at, a way of looking at humility is to dispossess. Dispossess. What does it mean to dispossess? It means to uh, have taken away or getting rid of things that you have that you think you have ownership of. Dispossess things that you think you have on. See, sometimes we think we own our minds. Like I, I got this. This is mine. I do what I want to. I, I go where I want to go. I, this is my life. I, I say, you know, listen. In order for God to be on our side, we have to dispossess of things we think we own. Truth be known, there's nothing that we have that we did not receive. Everything we have, we've received. And so dispossessing, you know, lots of things. My, your right to do what? What, what right? When, when we come up under a true kingdom mindset, we have no more rights. If in the true sense of kingdom, there's no more rights. In other words, we live by the dictate 
of the king. Whatever the, if king, if the king said, I want that, he comes to your house and said, I want that, then, then he has the right because in a true sovereign, he owns everything. It's the good king that says, you, can, you, can, you, you, you have it, you steward it. It's yours. If I should ever need it, it's mine. And that's the mindset of anyone who lives in a kingdom is that everything I have, the kingdom really owns it. It's the king's. I'm proud to, to have it. I'm proud to, to work the land. I'm grateful to do these things, but it's not mine. We, 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 we bow down to the sovereign. We bow down to the king. We reduce ourselves before the king. Our own ideas, our own ambitions, the things that we think best, we reduce ourselves. So we're going to see a few stories. First story that hit me was a person that you may or may not ever heard of. He came right after a great king, uh, which is his father, Hezekiah. And he had a son that came right after him named Manasseh. And Manasseh uh, was something else. So Manasseh came up after him. Uh, but, but we're going to find in this story uh, the consistent nature of God as it pertains to humility. So if you would, look at Second Chronicles chapter 33, verse 1. It said, Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, following the detestable practices of the pagan nations that the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites. He rebuilt the pagan shrines of his father, Hezekiah. His father, Hezekiah, had broken down. He constructed altars for the images of Baal and set up Asherah poles. Now, if you know anything about Baal and Asherah poles, Baal is just a, another name for for God, for, 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 uh, I, uh, for a God. And it, it literally means owner or possessor. So in some ways, they would call people who owned land the bell of the land, the, the owner of the land, the bell of the land. So when they talk about this word bell, it is the, 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 um, the masculine word for a, a God or someone that they would say other gods that would be the possessor, one that would, would be the owner. And, and it, it would be... Um, you know, anything that would be idolatrous to that, to that land. And then they also said they set up a sure pose. A sure pose are the feminine version of an idol. And uh, I, I would go into to tell you what those sure pose look like, but it may get a little, little graphic if I do. Uh, so, but the, they, they began to worship after having a God that had wiped out all their enemies. They, they were worshiping the images of Baal and of the assurance. So they were the male and the female. And the way you can equate it into our own, uh, you know, how do we relate it to our, our day is there's so many things, uh, you know, sports would kind of be that, maybe the, the bell. And a pole would, would maybe be the fashion industry. Uh, you know, all of those things are things that, that we kind of uh, work and we, we have tremendous influence on our lives. Those would be like that. In other, sense, other words, those, the gods that we have bowed down to in our life, in our um, culture, uh, entertainment, uh, even uh, uh, academics or in intellect, um, government, um, uh, sports, uh, uh, in, uh, hobbies, all of those things would be similar to the bell and the, and the sure pose having a female and a male version of those two things. So this joker, uh, Manasseh, 
he brought all of those things that his father had dispossessed the land of, he brought them all back. Now think about that. He brought them all back. He brought all of them back and more. And it says, he also bowed before all the powers of the heavens and worshiped them. He built pagan altars in the temple of the, he built, he built pagan altars in the temple of the Lord. The place where the Lord had said, my name will remain in Jerusalem forever. He built these altars for all the powers of the heavens in both courtyards of the Lord's temple. Manasseh also sacrificed his own sons in the fire in the valley of Ben-Hinnom. This dude was terrible. Now, I want you to get the gravity of this guy. He was terrible. He was a terrible guy. He had brought by everything God told him not to do. He did it. He practiced sorcery, divination, and witchcraft. And he consulted with mediums and psychics. He did much that was evil in the Lord's sight, arousing his anger. Manasseh even took a carved idol he had made and set it up in God's temple, the very place where God had told David and his son Solomon, my name will be honored forever in this temple and in Jerusalem, the city I have chosen from among all the tribes of Israel. If the Israelites will be careful to obey my commands, all the laws, decrees, and regulations, even through Moses, I will not send them into the exile from this land and I, and that I set aside for uh, your ancestors. But Manasseh led the people of Judah and Jerusalem to do even more evil than the pagan nations that the Lord had destroyed when the people of Israel entered the land. In other words, the, the ones that they had brought in their gods, he said they had done worse than them. Remember that. I want you to see this guy. I will, <clears throat> let's see. The city of the chosen from among all the tribes of Israel, if the Israelites will be careful to obey my commands, all the laws, decrees, and regulations given through Moses, I will not send them into exile from this land that I set aside for your ancestors. But Manasseh led the people of Judah and Jerusalem to even more evil than the pagan nations uh, that the Lord had destroyed when the people of Israel entered the land. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they ignored all of his warnings. So the Lord sent the commanders of the Assyrian armies, and they took Manasseh prisoner. They put a ring through his nose, bound him in bronze chains, and led him away to Babylon. But while in deep distress, listen to this, but while in deep distress, Manasseh sought the Lord, his God, and sincerely humbled himself. What did he do? He sincerely humbled himself before the God of his ancestors. And when he prayed, the Lord listened to him and was moved by his request. So the Lord brought Manasseh back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh finally realized the Lord alone is God after Manasseh rebuilt the outer wall of the city of David and so on and so forth. But I want you to see that, that when he humbled himself, when, uh, when he, the dude had done everything bad. Everything you could possibly think of, he did, and worse than the nations around him. But when he humbled himself, that was like, oh, 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 God was like, that's like a dog on a bone. God was like, oh, my goodness. Almost as though God couldn't resist himself. 
as though God was just attracted to that humility. How many of us want God to be attracted to us? Like, like can't, can't resist doing for us. That's what happened. When Manasseh, when Manasseh came to his senses and humbled himself and cried out to God, God like, that's all I need. I, I hate all of this that's come on you. But do, do, don't you know, when you recognize me, I'm going to be there. When you humble yourself, when you become like this tissue here and make yourself small and bow down and not be haughty and not want to fight and not want to resist me, he says, I'll come into your life. I'll come in like a flood. It just takes that bit. You know, I, I'm sure that the very moment uh, he humbled himself, it wasn't like what God was sitting back saying, mm, I don't know. I'm not quite sure I want to do anything for him. I mean, he's done everything I told him not to do. I mean, he, 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 even in my temple, the very thing that I told David that this would be set apart forever for me, he, he, brought, he, made, a temp, he made a God and brought it into my temple. What a slap in the face. No, God was attracted to his humility. God wasn't attracted to all the things. God didn't have a pity party on him either. God was attracted to his brokenness. God was attracted to him saying, I realize that I'm not God and you are. And why, why was I even thinking that I was getting away with something when I was doing all this foolishness? But it's so powerful. You know, uh, some people, uh, depending on where you are out there right now, uh, you, you may be uh, like Manasseh. You've turned against God. You're doing everything. You've been all out in the world seeking your own, trying to make it on your own, doing what you think is right in your own mind, having no one you think, no one governing your life, tell, no one can tell you what to do, all of those things. But, but right now, you may be in a position due to uh, the coronavirus and, the, and what's going on in our nation. You may have lost money. You may have lost your job. You may have done some things. And now, right now, God, you're like... It, God, I'm turning to you. God, God will, he will be so, he, 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 will, he will embrace you. He'll take you in. He'll absorb you. He, I, all you have to do with a sincere heart. That, that is the, the pattern of God. Let's look at another story. This guy was a rascal of a rascal. <laughs> this next guy was something else. Um, listen to this story right here. Now, many of you already know Ahab uh, and his, his wife, Jezebel. Jezebel may be more prominent a name than, than Ahab, uh, her husband. Uh, but he was hoodooed. This dude was, was no leader at all. He was being led by his wife. Uh, she was the one who, who wore the pants, so to speak. And, uh, and he would just do whatever. And so uh, prior to this story beginning... Uh, he was sulking and upset because there's a piece of land out there that some landowners had, and he wouldn't, they wouldn't sell it to uh, Ahab. And Ahab went home and sulked to his wife. Oh, she won't sell me the land. He won't give me the land. And, and the wife said, mm, I, bet, I bet they will. I bet, I bet I can make them sell the land. And sure enough, she went out there and she sent some, uh, some, some scoundrels 
some bad guys who, who ended up telling a lie on the landowner, and they had the man executed. And Ahab came in and took his land. That's the kind of, that's the kind of no pants wearing kind of guy this was. He just had his wife uh, telling him what to do. And not, not that that's wrong in and of itself, except that she was evil. She was an evil woman. She was trying to possess everything. But listen to this. First Kings chapter 21, verse 21 says, So now the Lord say, says, now, now the point, before I read this, the point we're making here is that the, the foreground, which soon becomes the background, is that the, the people that God showed tremendous grace towards and mercy toward were the people who were some of the worst. I mean, they, they were the kind that were already puffed up in themselves, but all they had to do was become crinkled, wrinkled, down. Like, I don't know what I'm doing, and God was attracted to it. So I, 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 when I saw this particular scripture, I was like, nah, God, this, this one you need to just look, him, look over him, you know, just don't even. But listen to this. So now the Lord says, I will bring disaster on you and consume you, talking about because of the acts of of Ahab the king being led by his wife Jezebel. I will destroy every one of your male descendants, slave and free alike, anywhere in Israel. I am going to destroy your family as I did the family of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and the family of Basha, and the son of Ahijah. For you have made me very angry and have led Israel into sin. And regarding Jezebel, the Lord says, dogs will eat Jezebel's body at the plot of the land of Jezreel. The, men, the members of Ahab's family who die in the city will be eaten by dogs, and those who die in the field will be eaten by vultures. No one else so completely sold himself to what was evil in the Lord's sight as Ahab did under the influence of his wife Jezebel. Listen, let me read that one more time. No one else so completely sold himself to what was evil in the Lord's sight as Ahab did under the influence of his wife Jezebel. His worst outrage was worshiping idols just as the Amorites had done, the people whom the Lord had driven out from the land ahead of the Israelites. Now, if you know anything about the Amorites, they were involved in everything. You name it, they did it. But when Ahab, listen to this, but when Ahab heard this message, <laughs> When Ahab heard this message, he tore his clothing, dressed in burlap, and fasted. He even slept in burlap and went about in deep mourning. Then another message from the Lord came to Elijah. Do you see how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has done this, I will not do what I promised during his lifetime. It will happen to his sons. I will destroy his dynasty. In other words, this man, <laughs> this man who had done so much evil to the point where God said no one has been under greater influence of evil than Ahab. And Ahab turned. Ahab put on sackcloth and, and burlap ashes and, 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 and dressed himself and mourned deeply about what he'd done. And God said, you know, because of that, because he shrinked up, because he wrinkled up, because he, he contracted, 
I'm not going to do it to him. <laughs> I don't know about anyone else, but that is amazing. That is amazing. That, that, that God is so attracted to the very point when we're at our very worst. When we are so very much in need and realize that we're in need, God comes in like the Calvary. God comes in rolling on the horses. God comes in with the, with the steam engines and the, and the, and the armored carriers, all of those things. He comes in with a, with a battle cry, I'm here for you. All we have to do is humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. Say before God, God, I'm, I'm broken. Let me do one more, one more story to kind of let you see that this is a, this is a true pattern of God. Second Chronicles chapter 12, verse 1 through 8 says this. But when Rehoboam was firmly established and strong, he abandoned the law of the Lord, and, it, and all Israel followed him in, his sin, in this sin, because they were unfaithful to the Lord. King Shishak of Egypt came up and attacked Jerusalem in the fifth year of King Rehoboam's reign. He came with uh, 1,200 chariots, 60,000 horses, and countless armies of foot soldiers, including Libyans, Sukites, Ethiopians, Shishaks. Shishak con conquered Judah's fortified town and then advanced to attack Jerusalem. The prophet Shemaiah then met with Rehoboam and Judah's leaders who had all fled to Jerusalem because of Shishak. Shemaiah told them, this is what the Lord says, you have abandoned me, so I'm abandoning you to Shishak. You know, Shishak got to be a brother. A anyway, I'm off there. Then, <laughs> then the leaders of Israel and the king humbled themselves. Listen, then the leaders of Israel and the king humbled themselves and said, Lord <laughs> is right in doing this to us. When the Lord saw their change of heart, he gave this message to Shemaiah. Since the people have humbled themselves, I will not completely destroy them, and I will soon give them some relief. I will not use Shishak to pour out my anger on Jerusalem, but they will become his subjects, so they will know the difference between serving me and serving earthly rulers. When he saw their humbled hearts, when he, they humbled themselves, he said, I will not completely destroy them. The, 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 the sentence against them initially was they were going to be completely uh, um, destroyed. But afterwards, God saw their hearts and their brokenness, and he relented. Whew. So I want to leave you with these conclusions. And we'll pick this up a little bit more uh, possibly next week. But these conclusions, number one, or, or this is the conclusion, it appears, get this, it appears that not only is God attracted to humility, he cannot resist humility. That's heavy, heavy right there. It appears, based upon the stories we just read, that, that, that God not only is attracted to humility, but he can't even... He can't even resist humility. When someone comes and is broken before God, I don't care what their past is. I don't care what they've done. I don't care how bad it has been. 
And see, sometimes people have a difficult time believing that people like, like uh, uh, and I use this because I, I, I know a little bit about his story, and many of you do, but Ted Bundy, for instance, who, who supposedly gave his life to Christ, and a lot of people have a real difficult time of believing that God could save this person who did so much damage and so much harm. And that, that is not to, to say that, 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 that it's bad and those families uh, that have had, were directly hurt by him. It's not to say that that's not real hurt and, and that he's getting a pass. Is that if this man truly in his heart humbled himself before God, God couldn't resist it. God couldn't resist it. Now, now will he, re- he did reap. He reaped what he sowed. Him coming to Christ didn't save him from getting uh, um, executed. But it saved him from living eternally in damnation. Think about that for a minute. That our God is, he's so loving that if someone will turn their heart to God, God is attracted to it and he can't even resist it. You may be listening to me right now and and just, you know, for whatever reason, you, you may have just come off of a high. You may have been a abuser or abused and you think your life is so terrible I'm telling you if you will turn your heart towards God if you would simply say I have been wrong and he's been right and just truly give your life over he will come in so fast he's attracted to that listen to these other scriptures here my hands have made both heaven and earth They and everything in them are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts who tremble at my word. That's a promise out of Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15. Or uh, Isaiah 62 and verse 2, excuse me. He He says, I will bless those who are humble and have a contrite heart. Isaiah 57 and 15 says, the high and lofty ones who live in eternity, the holy one, says this. I live in the high and holy place with those who have, whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit, and the, um, uh, spirit of the humble and revive the courage of those who have repentant hearts. And last one, it says, Matthew 5 and 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are broken. Blessed are those who realize they're big zeros. He says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I know we talked, and you may have taken this as though this is only talking about people who have not yet given their lives to Christ. But the, 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 the message of repentance and brokenness is really for everyone. You, you may be going through your own life as a believer and there's just some things that you've just been stiff in, stiff neck. Like, I'm not going to give this up. This is one thing that I will not give up. It may be unforgiveness. If you are hardened in the area of forgiving someone, you're not broken in there. And the grace of God can't come in. Stiff. Mm, I, I just can't forgive that person. Well, then you're resisting the grace of God. And when you resist the grace of God, when you resist that, God, in a sense, his power, his grace can't flow into you. And so you, you may feel weak right now, like, or, or you may feel like this position I have or the stiffness that I have, then I'm not going to give this up. 
um, you may think that that's, you're empowered by that, but in actuality, you're very weak. Power comes from brokenness because now the flood of God's grace can come into your life. And he can change even the most difficult places of your life with a simple, God, I repent. That's what James chapter 1 is telling us. James chapter 1 is saying that if we acknowledge our sins, he's faithful and true to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. What he's saying is acknowledge that you missed it. No, no, nothing wrong. Just, just, just say it. Just, you, miss, you missed it. You, you, you missed it. Acknowledge that. And the grace of God will flood in on us in all areas of our life. I don't know about anyone else, but I don't, I don't need George's power. I need God's power. And so God, quicken me. Tell me quickly when I'm mess, missing it. I want to repent quickly because I don't want to be resistant to God and, re, and not be able to receive his power in my life. God resists the proud, but he gives more grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to this person right here. Wrinkled, gnarled, compressed, contracted, base. That's what he gives his power to. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together this morning. And I know, Father, that the Holy Spirit has led me to talk about this humility, the power of it. And I'm certain there are those who are watching us virtually online right now who have resisted you for so long in a state of pride, in a state of, of, of waxing uh, strong and, and being haughty and built up in a particular area thinking that they know what's best for their lives. Maybe hearing the voice, no one is going to tell me what to do. Not realizing that the floodgates have been closed. The floodgates of grace have been closed in their life. The floodgates of your strength, the floodgates of your love, the floodgates of your enablement have been held back. Because they seek to stay in a place of pride. I pray right now, Father, whatever may be holding them back, that they will be broken right now. That they receive even the grace to be broken. Receive the grace to repent. To, see the, to receive the grace to, to let go of the things that they've held so long and allow you to flood into their lives. Help us all, Father. Help us all, believers, to release the things that have held you from your strength from coming into our lives. May we all bow down. May we all extend our palms towards you to feel the stroke of your hand go across us saying, I've got you. I will lead you. I will direct your life. I'm now responsible for you. So I thank you, Father, for all those people. And I know right now that there's some out there that have yet to make Jesus Christ the Lord, the sovereign of your life, the master of your life. 
and you're resisting God. You're resisting him. The Bible says what can be known of God is revealed to us even in nature. So the man is without excuse. So if you're not receiving, if you have yet to receive Jesus into your life, it's not because you have an excuse. It's because you're resisting him so that you can continue doing and being in the life that you are now living. But God loves you so much that he had you watch this this morning to speak directly to you. So that no matter where you are, you may be in your bed, you may be sipping on a cup of coffee, you may be doing something you may not need to be doing. But God says, if you will turn to me, I will turn to you. If you will stop suppressing me in unrighteousness and wrong things and just drop them, you'll find out that he'll flood you. God will flood into your life like never before and you'll sense his strength. So say these words with me, if that's you. Say, God in heaven, I am a sinner. But you sent your son to come into my life so that I might have a life and life eternal. Jesus, I welcome you today as a broken man, a broken woman. And I repent of thinking I knew how to, knew that I knew how to rule and rule. And rule my own life. Come in today Lord. I confess you as my Lord. And as my Savior. I receive you into my heart right now. I turn from my wickedness. And I turn to you. And I thank you for now. Coming into my life. In Jesus name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning. I'd love for you to kind of contact us, let us know, maybe send us a message. Uh, you can privately message me on uh, Facebook, or you can send something to our um, questions at newdaycc.com. That will also get to us. Um, or if you are so bold as to say it publicly, just send us a, a, a message across. You've been listening to the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. Please visit us at our website at www.newdaycc.com. Again, that's www.newdaycc.com. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, please tell others. And if you ever get the opportunity, please come visit us at New Day Christian Church.